The Bulletproof Mind and the Sheepdog, a conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Join us as Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman sheds light on the sheepdog mentality and the bulletproof mind. Learn from his vast experience training military, law enforcement, mental health professionals, and school safety organizations. Discover how to steal your mind against the mental stressors of potential violence. We delve into the essence of the bulletproof mind, a psychological preparation for combat. It's a blueprint for action that helps us navigate and triumph over the unique mental stressors of potential violence, understanding what to expect when heart rates rise and blood pressure drains from the face. This knowledge is crucial for those who might encounter interpersonal violence, offering insights into making the right decisions in the heat of the moment and after. We explore the philosophy behind sheepdog mentality, a term coined by Grossman and his classic essay on sheep, wolves, and sheepdogs. This concept has become a gilding principle for those who commit themselves to protecting others, answering the profound question, why do we protect? Why we do it, love. We reveal the core motivation that drives us, our love for God, our love for country, and our fellow man. Join us on this journey of truth and love and learn what it takes to be a true sheepdog in today's world. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm beyond honored to introduce our guest to you today, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, lauded by Slate Magazine as a heroic figure, is a multifaceted individual with five patents and numerous publications, including the bestseller On Killing and a New York Times bestselling author, book co-authored with Glenn Beck. He's a former West Point psychology professor, U.S. Army Ranger, paratrooper, and a black belt in hojutsu. The U.S. president has cited his research, and he has testified before various U.S. legislative bodies. He has also consulted in court cases related to school massacres. An established academic, he has written entries for reputable encyclopedias and presented papers at national conventions of medical and psychological associations. Since his Army retirement in 1998, he has become a leading trainer for military, law enforcement, and school safety organizations. He currently directs Grossman on Truth LLC and is a recognized expert on terrorism post 9-11. He holds lifetime positions with the American Board for Certification in Homeland Security and the American College of Forensic Examiners Institute. And I am so excited to personally welcome Mr. Lieutenant Colonial Dave Grossman. <laughs> Hello, April. <laughs> 
Oh, that was a mouthful. That guy needs to go get a life, doesn't he? It was a mouthful. <laughs> I don't know who that guy is you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you did a great job on all of that. And, and I'm so honored to be on board with you. Oh. Uh, this, this is such a neat thing. Non, I, I, we were talking ahead of time, and, and it really was an iron sharpens iron thing to talk to each other, to uplift each other. And I, I'm a huge fan of the, the podcast revolution. There's so many bad things out there. Violence has exploded to levels we've never seen before. Uh, this, this epidemic of sleep deprivation, the suicides and traffic deaths and the things that come with it. There's so many bad things out there. But in the midst of all of that, we, we've broken this logjam of information that we're not happy with, with, with the two-minute sound bites anymore. Well, when I was a kid, we had three networks, and most cities had one or two newspapers and maybe six national magazines. And if you weren't there, your, your message never got out, and you never got more than a sound bite. Well, we've broken that logjam. We've got the citizen journalism uh, and, and we've got, you know, the greatest heroes of all are, are not those who are presenting it, but those who are listening and seeking this uh, this deeper layer of knowledge. And so it's, uh, I just honor you. I honor your listeners. And, and I want everybody to just take a minute and reflect on how incredibly cool it is to be in these times. And, and we don't even realize this renaissance, this revolution in information and depth of knowledge that we've created uh, uh, with the podcast revolution. So well done. Uh, to you, April, and all your listeners out there. And it's, it's, it's my pleasure to be on board. Well, thank you. And you're right. It is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that because this is such an opportunity to be able to get that worldwide audience and the exposure of a good word, a good thought, good habits to be able to inspire people with their stories. Now, if I may call you, sir, Dave... Dave's good. That's good. That works. Thank you. Dave, you have inspired me intensely throughout my career, throughout my life. And it is often that I, I, I reference your information, your books, your teachings into so much of what I do. Now, the Wellness Driven Life Show is a lot about how we respond to stress in the world because I firmly believe that stress is the number one killer. That's all tied to emotion. But if we can come to the conclusion of what it is where we can maintain that aspect of ourselves where we can take control of or because we have the information and the knowledge of, you paint such an incredible picture so you have influenced me greatly, and I appreciate you. I want to thank you for that right now. Thank you, April. It's such an honor. And uh, you know, when, when we talk about resiliency, it's really a deep subject. And I'd like us to maybe today in the time of Bill to focus on this sleep management and sleep deprivation. It's just side, just, 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 just uh, hammering our civilization. But for those who want deeper information, in my book, On Combat, uh, Marine Corps Commandant's required reading list after 20 years of war, uh, issued in many academies, required reading over 100 academies. It, uh, but during the pandemic, it became uh, a, a big hit in the medical community. I was on a podcast for England, oh. New York Docs, New York City's ER Docs. Uh, uh, one, one podcast, that the host said, you know, that the, the, the stress of, of being in the pandemic for a medical mm. personnel is very much like the stress of combat or law enforcement. As, yeah. we, as we as the dynamics remain the same, as you said, you know, kind of stress is stress and it lies at the foundation of being able to deal with it. And, and really, one of the baselines of resiliency goes all the way back to classic stoicism. Uh, identify all the things you can't control. And let go of them, you know. Mm. And, and 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 so so much of this book about what you can control, and you bring things like your breathing under conscious control, and your sleep under conscious control, and many other things. Uh, take those things you can't control and turn them over to higher power. One, one of my more recent books is uh, is on spiritual combat, a Christian book award finalist, which is really pretty cool. It, it floated to the top of all the thousands of books that year. But being able to hand things over to higher power, one of the pillars of resiliency around the world is, is faith and having this higher power to yeah. hand things over to. Let go of all the things you can't control. Yeah. And, and everything in the past is done. Let go of the past. It'll lead you alive. Let it yeah. go. Uh, the future is uncertain. You cannot influence what other people do. You can't influence what that guy in traffic did. All you can control 
is how you choose to respond. And this goes back to Viktor Frankl in a Nazi death camp. Yeah. Uh, you know, here you, and, and, and how do you walk out of a Nazi death camp and not have PTSD? That's, that's resiliency. Viktor Frankl said, I, I realized the only thing the universe, these bastards couldn't control is how I choose mm-hmm. to respond. Yeah. And so one thing, don't let people ever take that away from you. And, and it's like a big game. And if you lose your temper, you lose the game. And yeah. if you don't lose your temper, you give it away. It's the only thing you truly can control. Now, that's easy to say. It ain't so easy to do. But, uh, but that, that lies at the foundation of resiliency and, uh, and, and not getting PTSD, understanding how stress impacts you. And, yeah. and you made a really good point about interpersonal human aggression. Uh, violent crime has exploded to levels we've never seen before. Uh, the, the murder rate is being held down by medical technology. Most of us understand that. Uh, the, the docs are saving ever more lives every year. Uh, it just somebody that was, 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 was killed in the Gulf War, today they're, they're double the chance of their survival in Afghanistan today, just in 20 years. Tourniquets alone, tourniquets alone have cut the murder rate in half. Uh, I carry tourniquets. Every first responder carries a tourniquet now. 20 mm-hmm. years ago, nobody did. Cop slaps on a tourniquet, saves a crime victim's life. We prevented a murder. So when we look at the number of dead people, it badly misrepresents the situation because the docs are saving ever more lives. And, and we've never seen more than a, a, a 12% annual increase in homicides. But in 2020, we saw a 30% annual increase in homicides. If 2021 stayed the same, it'd be bad, but it went up another 4%. And and so we're in stunningly violent times and interpersonal human aggression is so toxic and corrosive. So preparing yourself ahead of time, uh, whether it's being a crime victim or, 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 or learning about PTSD and how your mind and body responds, the tools that we can use, that all lies at the heart of what I do. But if I only had 30 minutes to talk to any group on the planet I, 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 about something that will save lives tomorrow. Tonight, I, I, I would focus on sleep. You know, I, I recently did a, a school safety presentation to uh, a group of East Texas schools, represented um, just, just tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of, of children focusing on, on school safety. And, and I told them that, you know, most of you probably never had a student murdered on your property. It's, it is cause for great concern. Is it exploded? We're, we're making great steps forward. The state of Texas has pioneered laws. It's the law, just like the fire code. It's the law that you keep the doors locked. In Uvalde, there were two unlocked doors that allowed the killer to get in that classroom. If either those doors had been locked, you know, it, 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 the crime would not have been possible. So, so it, it, you know, Texas has passed laws, you know, just like the fire code, keep the doors locked. But but I told them, you are far more likely to have a child commit suicide. And you're far more likely to have one of your students die in traffic accidents or in opiate overdose. And, and we're in the middle of a global epidemic of sleep deprivation. And, mm. and sleep deprivation, I've lost a brother and two nephews to suicide. Uh, mm. Suicides have exploded around the planet, uh, every age group, every demographic. And the new factor is sleep deprivation. One of the best meta studies on suicide says not only is sleep deprivation a key factor, it's the most remediable factor. We can't do a lot about your depression or your, or your work situation or, or your, your relationship, but we can do something about your sleep boom, right now and have a major impact on reducing suicides. So tween suicides, tween eaters, 10, 11, 12 year old, Twin-age girls' suicide rate has tripled per capita in America in just the last decade. So I tell people, here's parenting 101 for the 21st century. When you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. No laptop in the room, no cell phone in the room. They've got to go to the room and sleep. This sleep deprivation is a key factor in suicide. Taking your life is not a natural act. You have to have profoundly impaired judgment. And mm. sleep deprivation does that. Sleep deprivation impairs your judgment. Alcohol and suicide have always been related. Uh, alcohol creates impaired judgment. You make a right, bad right. decision, never a chance to rethink it. 
but but sleep deprivation, your kids are probably not drunk, but but your kids are very likely sleep deprived. And that's that impaired judgment. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that it's really good that you bring that up. I have a lot of reverb. Sorry. So. I just wanted to go back a little bit. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm so glad that you brought that up, that it is an impaired judgment, sleep deprivation. Of course it is. And we find that and it leads into traffic violations and it reads into deaths and it reads in, leads into that suicide. And it's just this, this downward spiral into yes. horrible yes. things over and yes. over. But I want to go back a little bit, Dave, into... Uh, you know, I found it very interesting to notate that during the pandemic that your book on combat was picked up a lot more. It makes a lot of sense to me because I picked that book up many years prior to that based on being in law enforcement. And your words in that book were so profound to me that I continue to utilize the words and the wisdom within those pages with me today. And for instance, we don't fall to the level of our, uh, we don't rise, we, we, don't rise we don't rise to the level of our courage. We fall to the level of our training. And so yes. for that being an officer was really profound. Also the breathing. And I can't tell you or stress enough to the audience that it likely saved my life on numerous occasions, being able to respond in the best way possible in deadly situations. So when you're holding people at gunpoint and you don't know what's going to be happening, being able to control your breath is such a huge factor because what happens when we're in a high, high stress situation, which many of us are living in, if we take driving in traffic and we top that with lack of stress, sleep. These stress levels just continue to increase. And so what is the best way to kind of hone in on that? Well, first off, of course, get more sleep. And if we don't have access to that, what can we do in the moment? And it is to really lower that heart rate and bring the blood flow back to where it needs to be and able to respond in the best manner possible. Cool. That's beautiful. Exactly right. And you know, the thing about it is, and one of the revolutions, I'm I'm working on the next edition of On Combat. And, and you know, you've been vindicated in your, your support of the book. Uh, the US Embassy in Ukraine bought a thousand copies of this book in the Ukrainian language to distribute to the troops in Ukraine. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's just one of the coolest things ever, you know, as an author. That is, that's um, amazing. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned the breathing. I've got, I've got hundreds and hundreds of case studies, emails and letters that have been sent in to me, organized by topic. And by far, the largest topic is the breathing exercise. And in yeah. all kinds of crazy places, a guy said, my wife and I left to the, listen to the audio book. I do the narration on all my books. have been really well received. Uh, and, and my wife was in a medical emergency, had a tube down her throat, couldn't talk, and she's choking and gagging, and she scrawls on a piece of paper, Grossman, breathing. And he said, I knew exactly mm-hmm. what she was talking about. Uh, I began to coach her in through the nose, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. Uh, a, a veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, he, uh, he, he said he, he was kicking off some cobwebs, friends you know, doing some mountain climbing, is out of the army now. And in the middle of the night, he wakes up and they're, they're, they're camped halfway up this mountainside on a slick, icy glacier. He says, I wake up in the middle of the night, completely disoriented, thinking I'm back in Afghanistan in the mountains. He said, I'm walking around in this slick glacier without traction devices, totally disoriented. Mm. And I remembered your book. I remembered the breathing in through the nose, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. Yeah. And regain control. I'll show you the email. I said, I was literally a step away from stepping off a cliff and dying. But where you most hear people say, cops say, you know, don't let people tell you that combat breathing doesn't work. You can hear me doing it on the radio after my shooting. So, so this is the heart of the matter. When the body takes over, when fight or flight hormones flood in, uh, we can reach out and take that, that sympathetic nervous system and bring it under conscious control. The breathing is one mechanism that goes either way. Now, right now, 
you're not controlling your breathing. If you had to consciously control your breathing, when you sleep, you die. But right now, everybody out there, just take a deep breath in through the nose. Breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, breathe in. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Let it out, let it out, let it out, let it out. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. What'd you just do? You just hold your breathing from unconscious control to conscious control. And mm. when you do that, those fight or flight hormones will come right along with it. Another revolution, I said, I'm working on the new edition of On Combat. It's years away, but a revolution is taking a big drink of water. Mm. You know, a deer's being chased by a wolf. Uh, he's really thirsty. Get a, can he have a drink of water? Oh, he can't have a drink of water. I'm being chased by a wolf. The very <laughs> fact that you stop and take that swig of water. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Okay, so you're definitely, you're, you're distracting yourself. And you. yeah, that, that so, pulls so you from fight or flight to rest and digest. It pulls yeah. you from sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. It's about reaching out and getting conscious control of your body. And everything else comes with it then. Your temper and, and your anger and your frustration, they all yeah. come along and the breathing is a tool. You know, they're teaching the breathing now to little kids. I don't think I've ever shared this story on a podcast. Um, I'm talking three-year-old kids. And the way that Doc does it, I did it with my grandkids. Doc got a scented plastic flower and he lights a candle and that doc models the behavior. Smelling the flower. Enjoy Blow it. Blow out the candle. Yeah, my grandmother Watch taught me that. Did she really? That is yeah. so cool. Yeah. I, mean, I thought it was some, some medical revolution here, grandmother. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in grandmother. It's old. So, yeah, I think it's old. A, a, a cop told me, he said, he said, our four-year-old daughter was just having hysteria responses. Took her to the doc. Doc said, she'll outgrow it. Won't do any harm. I'll show you some. Boom. Taught her how to breathe. Smelling the flower. Uh, blow out the candle, watch the smoke, uh, you yeah. know, and, and he said, my little girl gets worked up, we tell her to breathe, pulls her right out of it, so he's, cop says, one day I'm driving in traffic, I'm out of a bad day, just me and my, li my little girl in the back seat in the kid's seat, somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm leaning out the window, screaming at this guy, but in the back seat here, my daughter say, breathe, daddy, breathe, <laughs> and he said, you know what, it worked, it worked. Yeah. Sometimes we all need that little reminder. Sometimes oh. the breathing has touched your life. And it's something you know, in people's hands. Yeah, I, I love it because I tell you what, Dave, I I first really came into to the breathing techniques with you and reading your books. And my yeah. grandmother shared the um the blowing out the candles. So cool. Um shortly uh or, or right before she passed away, and we had cared for her in our home. And, right. and helped her go um, to the next stage of life. Yes, and it was, a, it was a beautiful thing. I was with her there. But, you know, it, it's, we have to keep reminding ourselves to do these practices because life does bring up those hard, <laughs> difficult times, those stressors. But when we, when we remember people who have really influenced us and care for us and love us so deeply. It, it is so meaningful and so helpful. Yeah. So, you know, another technique, you know, we're diving in this realm that I give to my cops. I, I tell them that um, 
you know, when it's taken, it's like it's taken over in the emergency room, in the ER. They've got somebody tearing up the ER. You know, you know what, what they do? They grab a bag of M&Ms. They rip it open. They shove it in his face. Would you like some M&Ms? And a large <laughs> portion of the time, just looking at that chocolate, smelling that chocolate, pulls them from fight or flight to yeah. rest and digest. It's just disrupting that, yes. that pattern. Yes. And, and so uh, uh, what I tell my cops is this. Look, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm one of our nation's leading trainer of cops and, uh, for 25 years. And, and the people attacking our cops and, you know, attacking me and sending evil letters about what they're going to do to me and my family, oh, yeah. threat letters and things like that. And I can't control what those people do. No. What's the only thing I can, how I choose to respond. respond. Yeah. So if that, if that nasty gram gets to me, then they win. So I've got some candy that I let myself have. Uh, you know, I get a couple of boxes at, uh, at Christmas and a couple of my birthday, maybe once a week, I have a piece of candy. When I get that little nasty gram, I get a piece of candy. And, and I almost look forward to it. You know, so, so it really is, 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 is cognitive uh, therapy, uh, 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 cognitive rational therapy. When, when, when we, we, we take control of our, our emotions and, and channel them in a positive way. Mm. So I tell my cops, you know, it's hard to believe what they have to put up with every day. People giving them the finger, people shouting at them, people being disrespectful to them. Oh, and yeah. you can't control those people do. Remember, you lose your temper. Yeah. You didn't lose it. You gave it away. Yeah. Well, I tell them, I said, look, I, I like Tootsie Rolls. Choose whatever you want. But Tootsie Rolls are individually wrapped. They, they stay clean. They're good in the heat. They're good in the cold. They remind me of Halloween candy. You know, the little, the little Tootsie Rolls, right? Have a little plat baggie of Tootsie Rolls in, your, in, the, in the glove compartment. And you only get to have one when somebody's ugly to you. Oh, and, that's you know, awesome. And, and, and you, you say, I get a Tootsie Roll. And, <laughs> and that Tootsie Roll in your mouth, you know, you're burning with anger. And you put that thing in your mouth and it starts salivating and swallowing and it pulls you from fight or flight to rest and digest from, from sympathetic mm -hmm. to parasympathetic processes. And it really is a tool that allows you to gain control. Of course, you don't always have a swig of water. You don't always have a Tootsie Roll. You know, one cop told me, he said, I'd be fat in a week. He says, I use Smarties. I just one little Smartie each time, you know, but, but uh, uh, you can. And hopefully you don't have to do it a lot, <laughs> but, <laughs> often, you know, you, you do, depending on what agency you work for, you know, yeah. city cops usually get, you know, if it's a busy city, you get a lot more calls. So it's more often, but I, for me, I used to just, my thing was I, I took a shower every time I got home after being on duty. And, and for me, that was just really cleansing and refreshing. And I just, I, I just envisioned letting it all go because you can't control what's being said. And I tell you what, Dave, I learned patience more than any other time that I could have probably, you know, even outside of being a parent, but like, you know, you have people telling you what they're going to do to your children, what they're going to do to your mother, oh, even though they didn't know yeah. if you had any, yeah. right? Yeah. So you you have this incredible verbal abuse as well as physical abuse. I mean, I remember being spit in the face and it's a very, very challenging position. It's not for the faint at heart. And, you know, same with many first responders and especially it makes sense with the people who were working in the hospitals yes. during COVID when you have something coming in so fast, so intense and life is just happening so fast that the only way you can respond is, you know, if you're trained in a certain way, you know, when you can lower that heart rate and the breathing and to understand, to not take things personally, because yeah. So I love the water and I love the candy. I think that's great. And again, it just sounds like things that really, really disrupt that pattern of thought because it's easy to go into taking offense or to go into that combative mode where, yes, yes. you know, like you just want to, Can you I know, you know, that's, um, you know, we've got, we've, we had all time record number of cops murdered in the line of duty in, in 2021. Mm. Um, we've got, we've got people coming to the cop's house to murder their family. I've got multiple cases. 
Um, in, in, in every case, a cop's wife killed the guy. And one cop's wife said, I, I never lost a second of sleep over killing the guy to protect my children. And, and I yeah. believe that. And that's the way we'd want it to be. But um, and, and I, I, there's, there's, there's 100 places online where people can load in your name and get your address. Yeah. And, and I found an outfit called officerprivacy.com. It's not just for cops. It's for everybody. But officerprivacy.com. And they will go online to every different location and strip your name out of those places. And then they'll do it on a steady basis. And, and so much of being the sheepdog is about identifying the things you can control and doing it. And, and, and if, you, if you know, denial kills us twice. It kills us once physically. You don't have the tools. You don't have the skills. You'd live your life in denial and, and, and you die. But it kills us twice psychologically. Mm. Because even if you survive... There's all these things you know darn well you could have and should have done. Yeah. And, and, and you have trouble living with it. But preparation saves us twice. Identify the things you can lawfully, legally do. You know, there, there are no ultimate sheepdogs and ultimate sheep. There's people up and down the scale. And we call people a little further up that scale. You know, maybe carry pepper spray. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe you know, take a martial arts class. Maybe, you know... Uh, you know, well, you know, all of those weapons behind me are kind of fun, but they're all gifts. And we got to think about the giving of a weapon and how it, it implies uh, their 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 confidence in your 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 mature behavior. It implies your desire for the for the recipient's well being. But remember, you are the weapon. Everything else is just a tool. Mm. And that brings us back full cycle to being the sheepdog. Identify the things you can do. And do them. And and I found something I could do. I could I found somebody that would take my name off of all of these websites so that they couldn't, you know, find out where your home is. And and, and that's just that's yeah. just all the little nuts and bolts, having a bottle of water in the car so you take a drink when you need it. You know, I, I tell my cops, uh, how's a pilot's voice always sound come over radio? You know, calm. Uh, you know, Houston yeah. would have a problem. You know, we're going in the Hudson. You know, how do they do that? Well, if you ever been in the cockpit, you key your mic, you hear the voice. It's a biofeedback loop. Mm -hmm. And if you can't control your voice, you can't control your hands. If you're pilot in an emergency, you're probably going to die. So I tell people, you want to decide whether or not to let a cop go on a, a high-speed pursuit, listen to the voice coming over the radio. If mm -hmm. Mickey Mouse and a Donald Duck comes over the radio, they need <laughs> to be pulled off the pursuit. If a, if a fighter pilot, a test pilot comes over the radio, good to go. So, yeah. so a cop sends him an email. He said, Dave, I'm in a high-speed pursuit. I key the mic, and I heard Mickey Mouse come out of the come over the out of my mouth. He said, I, I but I remember I had a bottle of water there. Took a big swig of water, key the mic, fighter pilot come over ready from that point on. Good to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it's so much fun to be in the in this this focal point of our civilization. It's so fast, too. Yes. Yes. It's so fast to be able to really switch that that state of being, yes. isn't yes. it? And, and you get better at it. You know, with fight or flight, rest and digest, sympathetic, parasympathetic, they're the two subsets of the autonomic nervous system. It's automatic. It's not under conscious control. But as you begin to bring it under conscious control, as you begin to consciously bring it under control, then unconsciously it starts doing what you want to do. I talk about the midbrain. The midbrain is, is fight or flight, feed and breed, uh, uh, fight or flight, rest and digest, sympathetic, parasympathetic. Uh, the, the midbrain is like this puppy inside. And, and you consciously train that puppy. And then the time comes when the puppy starts doing the right thing automatically. Hey, can, can I show you something? You listen. My wife's having kind of a, 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 a rough day and I'm doing the puppy sitting. And I want to show everybody. This is a, uh, this is a, uh, this is Charlie, the Wonder Dog. Say hi to Aww, everybody. Hi, Charlie. Charlie. Look at Charlie. Look at Charlie. He's got a white chin, and he's got a white <laughs> stripe on his chest. You turn him over, he's a skunk. <laughs> 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 but but uh, inside of all of us is this little puppy brain, mm. and, and and Charlie Charlie's a good dog. He wants to do the right thing, but he, I I got to give him treats and I got to give him clear commands. And and after a while, he turned into a, a an adult dog who we can trust and train. All of us have that little puppy inside, and initially we've got to train that puppy. You know, Charlie has his little treats that he likes, but maybe it's Tootsie Rolls or chocolate-covered cherries, uh, you know, whatever it is for you uh, to reach out and grab conscious control. Uh, Ronald Reagan, when he was president, 
always had a bowl of, of jelly beans on his desk. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people are standing in front of the president. He said, have a jelly bean. Come on, no, have, a, have a jelly bean. Yeah. And what's your favorite flavor? You know, I, I like licorice. Have a licorice. You know? And you put that jelly bean in your mouth and you're calm and suddenly you, 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 you're, you're back under control, you know? And, and that's all about this business of taking the unconscious and we're getting under conscious control. And, and, and it comes back to self-control. And and, uh, and I'm so glad you mentioned the breathing exercise. I don't think I've ever done a podcast where we dove, dove in so deep to that that dynamic. Of, uh, and that lies at the heart of being the sheepdog. Well, Dave, it's just been so profound for me yeah. in, in my life through law enforcement. It started there. And then once I started learning about meditation, it just... I was, I was built easier to do it through, through the breathing exercises through meditation, because I had already been basically coached through your, through you, through your writings. And so things just started to coming along. And what's beautiful about that, Dave, is you have highlighted such a, a basic thing that we need as human beings to really calm down that parasympathetic aspect yes. of us yes. and to to get back to that and instead of it being woo woo and you know you know because you can't relate to people in law enforcement first responders firemen very well when you start talking about meditation and exactly. slowing the breath so yeah. you have brought such an incredible aspect to the people, then, you know, being able to provide that as, as something that we can do to, to bring ourselves back, to control ourselves and to respond otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, but again, you mentioned meditation and people go, woo, woo. now we're both people of faith and uh, um, it's often referred to as mindfulness. If you're more, if you're more comfortable with that, call it that, but it all comes back around to just the basic science of bringing bringing yourself under conscious control and, and being aware of who you are and what you're doing. And, and it's a part of the revolution that we're seeing out there that we should feel real good about. Uh, and, and, and again, when you come back to mindfulness and being under control, uh, I, I can't emphasize enough that the business of sleep. And I told you, yeah. know, sleep, parenting 101, send your kid to bed at night, uh, uh, no electronics in the room, no cell phone in the room. Uh, we talk about, you know, the, the suicide rate among among uh, uh, teenage girls, 10, 11, 12-year-old girls exploded. Mm. Well, a cop came up to me during a break in one of the presentations, and he said, I had one of those teenagers. He said, she was a good girl. She was an A student. She said, Dad, it, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. I mean, you know, uh, uh, he said, hey, I'm about family policy, cell phone, they charge you, go to bed. He said, okay, I trust you. You don't keep your cell phone. You go to bed. He said, a little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. And we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Mm. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And you can't just ignore that. Uh, We're not wired that way. He said it was heartrending to see her up all night long, night after night, trying to defend herself, trying to find somebody to stand up for her. He said, I understood my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived, tormented, Mm -hmm. and bullied to death in front of my eyes, and I let it happen. He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can we expect our kids to? Yeah. He said the one thing on earth I could have done for my little girl was was take her cell phone, let her turn off all the bad stuff, and get a good night's sleep. But, but who's going to be your mom? You know that 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 mindfulness to be mindful of your sleep and your body and your wellness. And and I really spent a lot of time on sleep hygiene. Now I've got a book coming out probably in about a year called On Sleep: The Tragic Impact of a Global Epidemic of Sleep Deprivation. You know we got these addictive video games that are designed to put you in what's called a flow state. Uh, mm-hmm. We've all played the game and suddenly it's four o'clock in the morning. You got no idea where the last eight hours went and it's time to get dressed and go to work. And, and now here you are going to work with zero sleep, which puts you at a state above legally drunk in, in your decision making. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they designed the games for that. And children are eaten alive by those. The head of Netflix 
said that their competitor is sleep. They, they don't care that they're killing you. They don't care that sleep deprivation is a key factor in suicide and traffic deaths. They just want to sell their product. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and then we, we've got, you know, they're never going to say, you know, uh, uh, Facebook's never going to say, you've been on social media for 36 hours. Go get some sleep. Now, never do that. The video can never say you've been playing this game 48 hours straight. Go get some sleep now. And, and Netflix will never say you've been downloading streaming shows for three days straight. Time to get some. No, they, they will never do that. You know, I tell people my dad started smoking in 1941 when he was five years old. He plunked wow. a nickel on the counter, said he couldn't even look over the counter at the general store, plunked a nickel on the counter, bought a pack of Boulderum tobacco and rolling paper, and started smoking at five. Now, you know, candy rots your teeth. Cigarettes are good for you. It's his money. Candy rots your teeth. It'll end aside. Because cigarettes are good for you. They believe that. You know, said, here's an <laughs> ad that says, as your dentist, I would recommend Viceroy's. You know, we got wow. another ad that says, well, uh, more doctors smoke camels than you know, the cigarettes. <laughs> thought cigarettes were good for them and they didn't know and 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 he started smoking at five years old well that's where we are right. with the video yeah. game industry and the and the and the social yeah. media with these addictive substances especially when it's pushed down on your children and the text messaging and the cell phones and so we've got to reach out and grab control of our uh, that, those electronics and and especially when it comes to the wellness of our children we we know that sleep deprivation is a key factor in the opiate epidemic opiates why, mm -hmm. why not meth why not Prescription opiates have always been there. Fentanyl's an opiate. Why are opiates a drug of choice? Well, sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. You don't sleep. The tendons and muscles never fully relax. I, I talk, I heard all the time, give me a pill. Of, you don't need a pill. You need more sleep. And you got to knock off the caffeine shortly after lunch. You're getting deep cycle sleep. So, so yeah. it, it, it's so important. And going back to our cops, I, I I'll tell you, listeners, I, I bet you got a lot of fans out there. You deserve a lot of fans, and they should they should gather around this awesome lady. But I, I had the opportunity, April, to, to, to talk to your husband ahead of time. His name is Manly. What an awesome guy. He's a truck driver. You know, he's a, he's a, he's, he's, he's a, he's a, a corporate, uh, you know, head of, of truck drivers, you know. And, uh, and truck drivers are required to log enough sleep. You know, he yeah. said, I'm using your stuff. I said, I'm using your stuff. Because we say, you know, <laughs> a truck driver and an airline pilot are required blogging, but cops aren't. That should enrage us. The mm. first, you know, if, when I get on a plane, I'm, I'm a million mile or two million on most airlines. And, uh, and, and if they don't have a rested pilot and a flight attendant and the guy that works on the plane required to get enough sleep. They'll cancel the flight. I'm good with that. Mm. But we've got sleep deprived people out there making life and death decisions and, and fire and EMS. And that should enrage us. And, and especially law enforcement, the guy that decides whether or not to shoot your kid and people are attacking our cops. Mm -hmm. And I said, here's something we should all be able to agree on is legislate just like truck drivers requiring sleep for cops. But they're not interested in they, the, the, the folks attacking our cops. They've, they've got a victim mentality and all victims want is revenge. They want to hurt people. They don't want to fix the problem. And, and then one of the best things we could do is mandate sleep for all first responders. Yeah. It should enrage us. Well, well then, then we wouldn't have enough. We need to work them into the dirt. No, no, no. Better no cop than a tired cop. Mm. Or better to have no, no, better no pilot than a tired pilot. Better no cop than a tired cop because he's going to do something stupid. It will be caught on camera. We'll all pay a terrible, terrible price for it. Yeah. So this, this epidemic of sleep deprivation is eating our civilization alive. Suicides yeah. have exploded in every nation on the planet and every Democrat, except the Amish, you know, and, you know, that everybody's suicides have exploded. Traffic deaths have exploded. Decade after decade, we brought traffic deaths down. Airbags, seatbelts, medical technology. Now, now in the last decade, traffic deaths and pedestrian deaths, people just wandering into traffic and getting hammered. And, and, and then, of course, the opiate epidemic. But one book I really recommend, now it's, when a pilot, when an author recommends somebody else's book, uh, you should listen. A book called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. Why We Sleep, international bestseller. And he's got all of this stuff in there. I'm going to I'm going to re-nail it. I'm, I'm corresponding with him to get him to write the forward of my book. But mm. one of the things he's really nailed is the link between sleep deprivation and Alzheimer's and dementia. And that just mm. the lights out of all of us. And, you know, I'm always saying, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. We have a decade of Alzheimer's first, you idiot. We and, will sleep when we're dead. <laughs> yeah, but this the decade of Alzheimer's should scare the daylights out of us. 
and this yeah. sleep deprivation, and, and, and there's two critical components, April, uh, with just two nuggets of info. You know, uh, one thing people are surprised and might not know about me is, it's I never go anywhere without my sleep mask. You know, I'm in a car, I get picked up by a Marine pilot lieutenant and his little, you know, his jet sled. He comes to the airport, picks me up, we're out to 29 Palms at one o'clock in the morning, California, I'm wiped out. I tilt the sleep back and, and, and these fighter pilot reflexes have got me going, you know, and I put my little sleep mask on and I'm out. And the next day I talk about sleep and sleep mass. And I got one right here in the, yeah, he does, he does. He pulled it out, put it on, went to sleep. But if, if you could just do one thing, you know, now we need, as adults, we need at least seven hours of sleep a night. We need it. Wear mm -hmm. a fitness tracker, track your sleep. But if you don't get one more minute of sleep, you get quality sleep if you do it in total darkness. And it's almost impossible yeah. to create total darkness. Make the room as dark as you can. Combine it with the sleep mask. This sleep mask has 85,000 reviews on Amazon. It's their most popular sleep mask. It's Imzu. It's not just for kinky marital applications. You know, really, best I can tell, these guys had a line of, uh, of, of, of adult toys. And they made like the perfect sleep mask. And now this is all they build, and they, they got 85,000 reviews. They're selling millions of these things. And once you start sleeping with that sleep mask, you will get quality sleep. If, if we don't have total darkness, the body can't produce the melatonin. Melatonin is a hormone that makes us sleep, and it's produced in the darkness. If you don't mm. sleep in the dark, your body can't produce melatonin. So if you do just one thing, number one, wear that sleep mask. Number two, you must stop caffeine shortly after lunch. Whatever your sleep cycle is going to be, the equivalent of lunch, no caffeine after that. The half that's a good point because that's the number of hours after, yes. Yes. you know, you wouldn't think that it should be that long, but yes. our bodies need to have that yes. length of time. And the caffeine stops us from getting deep cycle sleep. And that lack of deep cycle sleep creates chronic pain. And that's the key factor in the Alzheimer's. So yeah. if you cut off caffeine, the half-life of caffeine in our body is about five hours. That means that caffeine you took at 5 p.m. is still at half strength when you go to bed at 10 p.m. And, and oh, caffeine doesn't bother my sleep. Well, well, caffeine doesn't make us not sleep. It makes it easier to stay awake and harder to have quality sleep. We don't go and, deeper. Like oh, our body needs for restoration. That deep cycle sleep, that total yeah. muscle relaxation, that flushing the neurotransmitters out of the brain, uh, and and if you don't do it, chronic pain and Alzheimer's. So so cut off that. We're in an epidemic of of, of caffeine abuse. These mega doses of caffeine, are the best source of caffeine. The source of caffeine is important, and coffee and tea appear to be very good for us. Uh, the energy drinks are are condensed poison. Uh, uh, the yeah. military has had two major studies on the energy drinks. It's, as of seven years ago, for all practical purpose, there's a complete ban on issuing energy drinks, U.S. Armed Forces. Now, many of your listeners were in Iraq and Afghanistan, right? In the early years, the first 10 years, right? We had pallets of, of these energy drinks. We gave them to the troops. Aren't we nice guys? About 50 years, 15 years into the war, we said, time out. These things are poison. One energy drink before an athletic event, then you crash. After that, they're no good whatsoever. Uh, and we've got to use them responsibly. They're like cigarettes. You know, you're an adult. Want to buy your own, won't stop you. We'll never buy it for you. So we live and learn. But yeah. lives are on the line. Go back to that school I was talking to. I told that school, if we could get our kids to have good sleep, if we taught them sleep hygiene. My second grade teacher told me cigarettes kill people. I went home and hid my dad's cigarettes. If our second grade teacher tells us you need, as a child, you need at least 10 hours of sleep a night. Here's how you keep track of 10 hours on the dial. And, and, and you need to sleep in complete darkness. And you got our caffeine, shut off caffeine shortly after lunch. No, no caffeinated soda, no caffeinated drink after lunch. If we taught that to our elementary children, a new generation would grow up. And, and we would reduce traffic deaths. We would reduce suicides. We would reduce opiate overdoses. And, and the kids would come home and the parents would learn. And so we can train these kids. And, and, and I told them all, I'm going to teach you about school safety. But you want to walk out the door and save lives right now. Educate your children, K through 12, about sleep hygiene. 
And the two fundamental things that we can do, you may not get one more minute of sleep, but cut off all caffeine shortly after lunch and, and wear that sleep mask and it will rock your world and move you towards that wellness-driven life. That wellness, you should be driven for wellness. You should be driven to, to be the best that you can be. And the great blind spot in our civilization is this sleep management, sleep deprivation. One other nugget I teach, you know, I, I teach F-35 squadrons and Predator and Reaper squadrons. They always have the flight surgeon there, scary smart guy. And this stuff's bounced off them daily, but no more the one alcoholic drink on the way to bed. The research is there. Two alcoholic drinks on the way to bed is just terribly counterproductive. Mm. Uh, if you're using alcohol to put yourself to sleep, please, please. And millions of Americans are doing that. No more than one drink on the way to bed. Uh, it's terribly counterproductive. If you need a little help, uh, a, a, a minimum, minimum dose, just a little baby dose of melatonin, uh, 0.5 milligrams or, or less. It's, as the body gets yeah. as older, we produce less melatonin. Check with I've your doctor. That. Yeah, I, I want to highlight doctor. that, Dave, because yeah. I, I have heard that too, where yeah. you don't need a lot. And I think that so many of us think that more is better, just yeah. like that alcoholic drink, right? We think, That's oh, right. well, if we put yeah. ourselves in a comatose state, it's sure to do the trick, but it's oh, not wow. the fact. And it's not the fact with the melatonin. So I'm so yes, glad yes. that you highlight that. Yeah. yeah, start with just a minimum dose. but it, it and, and check with your doc. But docs don't like long-term use of Ambien, but it's infinitely better than alcohol. And they'll tell you that. And, 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 and as kind of the baseline thing that you can start doing at the local drugstore, it's very, very uh, economical. Let's start with that baby dose of melatonin. Always touch base with your doc as you do this, but you're going to spend a third of your life asleep. Let it be quality sleep. And, 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 and that's that wellness-driven life that lays a foundation. And I tell one other little thing I tell everybody uh, don't touch the snooze alarm. The snooze alarm is an evil little button that makes you relive the worst part of every day over and over again. And, and, and the minimum nap is 30 minutes. Uh, at 25, 30 minutes, minimum nap, right? Siesta. So a 10-minute snooze is just enough to get that startle response. But it's, you get a 10-minute snooze, another snooze, a third snooze. You just threw away 30 minutes of your day. Those three snoozes, no by as far as your life goes and no by as far as sleep goes. You threw away 30 minutes of the day and you trained yourself to surrender to your body. The first act of every day, be wellness driven. And the first act of every day, do I take charge and roll out of bed or do I hit this news alarm and surrender to my body? Am I in charge of my body or is my body in charge of me? Mm. And, and you really are doing harm to yourself with that snooze alarm. You're throwing away half an hour of every day, uh, three and a half hours out of every week, uh, two pure, beautiful nights out of, out of every month, 24 nights out of, out of every year, thrown away with three hits of the snooze alarm. And, and so set your cell phone for 10 alarms, 6 o'clock, 601, 602, 603, 604. And by the time you turn them off, you're up. And the you that goes to bed at night is going to make you get out of it. And it comes back to self-discipline, uh, the most important of all traits, right? There's only one thing universe you can control. It's yourself. A and it starts tonight. Uh, make that room as dark as you can. Use that sleep mask. Cut off caffeine shortly after lunch. Set your cell phone for 10 alarms. Take charge of your life. Take charge of your body. Self-discipline. Roll out of bed. Don't hit that evil little button that makes you relive the worst part of every day over and over again. Oh, my goodness. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, you are a plethora of information. I just thank you so much for being a light for the audience today. You have so much great feedback on what we can do, tips and tricks, in order to have control over our bodies instead of it having control over us. I loved that. I think that that is such a key thing to remember, right? When we're hitting that snooze button. And just to remember, hmm, uh, who's really in control? Oh, yeah. Very profound. Uh, you know, I, I was just thinking to myself that I, I, your work has stemmed so deeply throughout my time. So I was, I'm kind of a product child of the Columbine shootings. I lived in Littleton, Colorado. In fact, I was supposed to go to Littleton High School 
but I ended up going, or excuse me, Columbine High School. I went to Littleton High School, but I knew a lot of people there. So I had this huge impact and you really started doing a lot of research during time and then following that during the 9-11 time periods. And so when we talk about sleep deprivation and our students and our youth and how impactful that is to us and how they're not thinking rationally because of how they are being over engaged with all of the social media, with video games, with all of that. I, I would just love for you to highlight just for a moment what your thoughts are based on on school shootings and, and why students show up in that way. And if you think that really the root cause of that is ultimately lack of sleep. It's one of the factors and, and it's blindsidedness. You know, I was invited to the White House as part of President Trump's roundtable on violent video games. Uh, I was invited back to the White House to brief Vice President Pence. In both cases, I had a chance to put one book in their hands. This is the book, and uh, it talks about the video games and the social media. Uh, yeah. but, but we just talked briefly in the book about sleep. Now I'm doing a whole book on it, and boom, we were blindsided by it, that it's a major factor. There's other things going yeah. on. But of course, the sleep deprivation is a critical factor. There is two centuries of work showing mm-hmm. the link between alcohol and criminal violent behavior. Just irrefutable drunkenness puts us in a state where we're far more likely to create violent, do violent things. And, and, sure. and, and sleep deprivation, without a doubt, is the same as being drunk. And, yeah. uh, and, and yeah. it's got to be a factor. Why did we never put those, you know, and you just made the link all by yourself. It's going to be one of the chapters in the book. It's going to be a revolution pioneering chapter uh, between this, this violence. My child was in Jonesboro on the night of the Jonesboro school massacre happened before the Columbine school massacre. And, and then I was there after Columbine and given award by the community. I was there after so many of these school massacres and, uh, and these are not right. It is not right for children to commit these kind of crimes. No. Uh, and and we need to reach out and protect our children. There's so many things we can do. Well, and suicide too. That's not right. Like you said before, that's, that's not a natural no. thing that uh, we're, we do as human beings. Yes. We're and supposed so this, to be in a natural state of of more well-being where, where we're not in pain Yes, every living, every living creature has a drive for self-preservation. Yeah. It's just almost un- unknown throughout, uh, around, you know, the, the animal kingdom and around all life to intentionally take your own life. Uh, when, when you're still in your prime, when you've still got so much to give, this is a pathology. And the sleep deprivation is one area. It is the most, it is the most uh, remediable subject. The best meta study, study of studies, an in-depth study on suicide, says not only is sleep deprivation a key factor in suicide, it's the most remediable one. Again, we can't do much about your relationship or depression or, or your, your job situation, but we can help with your sleep right now mm. and, and, and address that issue and get them a good night's sleep. And, you know, cops, after being in a life and death event, their adrenaline's running through their body. They never had that you know, soldiers in combat after eight hours of combat, they're exhausted. They, they, they can't stay awake. But a cop has all that adrenaline and resolves the whole thing in a few seconds and a few five pound trigger pulls. And all that adrenaline that was made for fight or flight had flown through their body. And very often they have trouble getting to sleep anytime soon. Well, yeah. one of the things we can do is just get them one Ambien, just knock them out, let them get a good night's sleep, get back on that sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going you know, to realize not only does that help them, uh, you know, get back on that sleep cycle, it also helps prevent suicide and improve wellness and reduce the probability of traffic deaths and, and all that other crazy stuff that comes with the package. Yeah. So we're learning and we're getting better. But dear Lord, we got to get the news out. And meanwhile, that video game is never going to tell your kid you've been playing for 36 hours. It's time to get some sleep now, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I love that you bring up to you know, get something to get you back on track. Because I remember very vividly of how, you know, most law enforcement, first responders, they 
their potentials for divorce rates are higher, for just doing things that are more extreme because you are going so high up in adrenaline and so low when you're done. You know, you get that call and you're you're rushing and you're doing lights and sirens and you have to respond to this really elevated level. And then when you have nothing, it's nothing. Or when you go home, it's very, very low. And so you're dealing with these extreme emotions. And so, yeah, you're right to be able to get back on track with sleep, especially when you're out and you're seeing the worst of the worst and, and things that are very difficult to get outside of your thoughts when it's involving children or suicides. I remember my first suicide, that stuff stays with you. And so, you know, if we apply that to just our general living and the average Joe, it just goes back to, again, how important sleep is and really maintaining your physiological self, being in charge of your body. Yeah. April, you're saving lives. You're doing good things. You're part of the, you're part of the the podcast revolution, you know, and, and, uh, and these podcasts, I tell you a hundred years from now, people be be looking at these, like we would read books from a hundred years ago and, and, and tapping into the, 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 the time. But most of all, your listeners represent something that in, in our civilization, we can take a deep breath and point to something good. Here are people seeking deeper knowledge. They're not satisfied with a five-minute soundbite. They're, they, they're, they're seeking deeper knowledge, and it's something that can give us a little bit of faith in our civilization and our, in our future. It's a good thing. Thank you, Dave. Well, it's uh, it's people like you have inspired me and, and put me into be the person that I am today. So thank you so much. Uh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> so uh, you, your words are just beautiful. And I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience today? I will. I will. You know, when we talk about vasoconstriction and stress, I use a photograph of a police officer on a second trip down for the World Trade Center 9-11. His name is Christopher Amoroso. I use him as a model of sacrificial love. And then I found out that the word Amoroso, Amor is love. Amoroso is the lover, the one who loves. Now, Mm -hmm. she's experiencing vasodilation. We've all seen that. Her face is flushed. The body's pumping oxygen where it needs to go, but he's experiencing vasoconstriction. On the other side of the head, there's a pretty bad cut. He's been burned. I uh, may have taken a blow to that left cheekbone, but that, that, that bone white face, their heart rate could be exactly the same. The impact on their body is exactly the opposite. So what you're looking at there is vasoconstriction. And, uh, and don't worry so much about the person that's red with rage. Watch out for the one that's white with rage. But he's on a second trip down for the World Trade Center. And what makes him different from her? He's going back. He's going to drop off that lady. He's going to go back up. And, and, and he's yeah. burned. He's exhausted. People tried to stop him from going. He's a giant of a man. He had to kind of shrug people off like a mother racing in a burning building. They say, beloved child, Christopher Amoroso, go back at that building one more time. The building will fall. And we'll not come home, just wife and baby tonight. So why does one person go towards their death again and again? Well, Jesus said, greater love had no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. Mm. So what manner of love is this, that men and women lay their life on the line for strangers? What manner of love is this, that men and women will walk out that door, first responders, and put their life on the line for strangers, for people that never met. But very important, there are many ways to lay down your life. Listen to that again. Greater love is no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And there are many ways to lay down your life. And sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. To walk out the door every day of your life to do what you need to do, to put food on the table and a roof over your loved one's head, to maybe do a dangerous job, not to sacrifice your life, 
but to live a life of sacrifice. And for most of us, therein lies the greatest love. And as you and your listeners, everybody else out there does that, may God bless you. May God bless America. Thank you. Thank you. Why we do it, love. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It has been wonderful to have this program and to have this incredible human being on the show to inspire and influence all of us. So I want to thank you for being here. Goodbye for now, and we will see you later.